This is One on One Rewind, and you are listening to me, Anusha. Here on episode 12, you will uncover the story of what is actually happening between Russia and Ukraine right now, and a historical breakdown of the agitation between these two countries over the years. The invasion of Ukraine began early on Thursday on 24th February with missile attacks on cities and military bases in the east, from the southern region of Crimea, which Russia annexed in 2014, and also from Belarus to the north. As I'm recording this on 28th February 2022, according to Ukraine's health ministry, a total of 352 civilians, including 14 children, have been killed, and a further of 1,600 people have been injured on on the Ukrainian side, but they say that the number can be substantially higher. According to the Ukrainian presidential advisor, 4,500 Russian soldiers have been killed and an addition of 368,000 Ukrainian citizens have fled to Poland and other neighboring countries as refugees. The estimated number of Russian troops deployed in and around Ukraine has ranged from 100,000 to 190,000 in the recent weeks and have closed in from the eastern side. So today, let us rewind and answer why the situation has escalated so much so far to this point. Ukraine was part of the Russian Empire for centuries. It became independent only in 1991 when Soviet Union dissolved after the Cold War. Anti-communist protests sweeped Central and Eastern Europe, starting in Poland and spreading throughout the Soviet bloc and finally making Ukraine independent. Ever since, there has always been tension between Ukraine and Russia and new allegiances of Ukraine with the Western world. President Vladimir Putin still considers Ukraine as a part of Russia and not as a sovereign entity. His favorite candidate in the 2004 Ukrainian election, Viktor Yunukovych, was out for rigging the results after widespread protest. Mr. Yunukovych did manage to regain power in 2010, but was ousted again in 14. Russia responded to the retaliation of the people of Ukraine with many separate events and invasions. The 1999 war in Chechnya, the 2008 invasion in Georgia, and the 2014 annexation of Crimea Peninsula that cost more than 14,000 lives. Crimea voted by an overwhelming majority to join Russia, but was condemned illegal by most of the world. The invasion we see today in Ukraine is not a year or two year long rivalry. It is in fact decades of ideological mismatch. Since the illegal annexation of Crimean Peninsula, Ukraine has turned away from the influence of Moscow and turned towards the West with popular support from the Western allies such as NATO and the European Union. We'll talk about these two parties furthermore, their stance and their vested interest here and nowhere else. So what does Russia really want? The key source of the tension is Ukraine's intention to join NATO, which President Vladimir Putin sees as a threat to Russia's border. Russia has issued a list of demands that would reduce Western influence in Ukraine and Belarus, including that Ukraine never become a NATO member and asks NATO roll back its military deployments in Central and Eastern Europe. But the West has rejected Putin's desire of removing the member countries from NATO as non-starters. 
Through various speculations, it is told that Putin dreams of recreating a Soviet Union or a kind of a greater Russia craving up territories based on ethnicity and language. They claim that they want stability while they work to threaten and destabilize others. Vladimir Putin has made clear that he believes Ukraine has no historical claim to be independent and have an independent statehood. Ukraine is nothing more but a modern state entirely created by Russia itself. He opened up a 7,000-word manifesto on the historical ties between Ukraine and Russia with the claim that Russians and Ukrainians are one people, part of a single whole. Ukraine's lurch away from Russian influence felt like the final death knell for Russian power in Eastern Europe, so Putin's rationality points that he is invading Ukraine for the sole purpose of demilitarization and denazification. But the truth is that the current president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, is a Jewish national. This raises another important question, and that is, could Ukraine defend itself against Russia? According to the National Defense of Ukraine, their military forces are stronger than ever than it was in 2014, but Ukraine is vulnerable to these attacks. Despite the money and arms provided by the West, it is actually not a NATO member and so cannot count on the direct military support of the United States and its allies. It is no match for the Russians. The other important thing that we have to mention here is that Ukraine is also surrounded by Russian allies and proxies and by Russia itself. Russian troops are not only along the European eastern border, but also the Belarusian border and already present in the capital city of Ukraine, Kyiv, in order to stage invasion from multiple directions. So what does the battle of Ukraine and Russia mean to the rest of the world? The fate of Ukraine has enormous implication for the rest of the continent, the health of the global economy, and even America's place in the world. It will heighten concerns about the strength of the post-1989 international order and America's ability to influence it. It could also raise fuel prices across the world, because both Russia and the West see Ukraine as a potential buffer against each other. The war could also further threaten American dominance over world affairs. By winning the Cold War, the United States established great influence over international order, but that influence has waned in the past decade, and the Russian invasion might just accelerate that process. Some of the world's main grain supplies are routed through the Black Sea, which borders both Russia and Ukraine, two major wheat producers. Military action could actually disrupt both grain production and distribution, raising food costs for consumers across the world. Russia supplies about a third of Europe's gas, much of which is currently shipped through Ukraine. Any disruption at either end of that supply chain would force European countries to look elsewhere for fuel, most likely raising world oil prices. And also, if you're wondering about the relationship if this war ends close ties between India and China, then that's a hard yes. For years, India has juggled its close relationship with Russia, enduring the legacy of the Cold War. India on Friday joined China and United Arab Emirates and abstained from the United Nations Security Council resolution that could have condemned the invasion which Russia vetoed against. And there is by far no way India would speak against Russia, as Russia has leased a nuclear submarine to India and it is helping its hypersonic missile program. Apart from that, Russia 
accounts 70% of India's import on arms and weapons. So what can actually be the solution? What can the West do and is there a diplomatic answer to this question? The answer is quite complicated, but it's not a hard no. NATO has no intention of sending combat troops to Ukraine to refrain from nuclear and massive war casualties, but they are also supplying medical, weapon, and other support, including freezing assets, disconnecting Russia's banking system from international SWIFT payment network, and blocking financial institutions and individuals financing the war moves. The US, EU, and UK are imposing personal sanctions on President Putin. And in matters of diplomatic solution, there is no answer. Well, not at least for now. Ukraine has called for talks, but Russia says that they can only be held under one condition, and that is Ukraine agrees to surrender and demilitarize. And this will not happen. Especially as of today, there is a high alert on nuclear missiles and weapons initiated by the Russian government. But amid all of this, there is a question that I keep asking myself, and that is the role of high alert media that has aggravated the story of Ukraine and Russia. Is the story of Ukraine getting so much attention because it is a matter of national security to the continent of Europe and directly impacts the stature of dominance of the United States to the world? Or do these parties really care about what's going on? Do they really care about the people that are dying and the agitation that is happening on the ground? If they did, why was so very less attention given to the war of Bosnia of the same situation? But more stories to be uncovered about this on later episodes. Notice them, notice Ukraine. That's the story for you about Ukraine and Russia here and only here on One on One Rewind. My name is Anusha and you can go ahead and share this story. Educate yourself and as many people as you can. You can also share this story on your social media with the hashtag NoticeTheWarThePeace. Up until next time, I wish more power to us and the world we live in. Peace.